Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, where we celebrate every single day the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. It's Friday on Coast View. This is uh, Jeff Duncan Day from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And Jeff, man, there's so much to talk about as it relates to the Saints. We knew it was going to be a dynamic season. But anyway, before we go any further, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great, Ricky. Uh, coming on uh, on the heels of... Uh kind of an epic Final Four weekend. We had incredible weather, and the event uh, was spectacular. Uh, Superdome, I thought, shined, kind of renovated Superdome. First real stress test of uh, massive crowds for an event like this, and uh, every report I got from the national people that were in town, the NCAA folks, uh, were rave reviews, so it's kind of a good positive vibe right now in the city. Well, as you and I talked about, I mean, we knew we knew the, having the Final Four in New Orleans was going to be good. It's good for coastal Mississippi. What's cool is, is again, we've talked about, but all the things that surround the Final Four, the people who come to town, the parties, the showcasing of the city. And I think that the Times Speaking and Old.com did a really good job of sort of doing a debriefing. But, you know, most of the people who were involved say that the city gets an A+. Yeah, and it was really important, I think, for people to see that in the industry because the dome's been renovated. It's halfway through. It's it's $450 million renovation. So this was kind of a halfway point with a lot of new back-of-house type features, commissaries, new locker rooms, concourses. So a lot of things that maybe fans and media don't see, but, but industry people see when they put on these big events. And we've got the Super Bowl coming here in 2025. And the NFL people were here. All their special events people were here on site. So they were monitoring to see how this thing went off. And it went off. It didn't just go off without a hitch. I mean, it was spectacular how well it went off. Uh, The city thrived. Uh, The hotel and hospitality industry uh, really stepped up. I think they had huge numbers. Uh, And so it was important for for special events and this big event business that, that, that New Orleans is in, conventions, major sporting events, it was important for them to kind of put their best foot forward, and I, th- I think they did. And the games were good, and the storyline to the games were good. Uh, did it play out sort of the way you thought it was going to? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. is uh, I think if they played those those three games again, you could have a completely different outcome because I think the games were so close, the teams were so closely matched. But you're right, there was a lot of drama, and uh, I thought the Dome looked great on TV, on the broadcast, uh, you know, the lighting was good. The court looked spectacular. The, I mean, it was packed, Ricky. And one of the cool things about it, you know, when I go to a, a Saints game, there's a ton of traffic, right? Because everyone's driving from our neighboring cities or communities, neighborhoods into the game. This event is purely an out-of-town tourist event. All the fans coming in or industry people from college basketball well they're all staying in hotels downtown they're all walking from their hotel rooms or taking maybe ubers so there's really no traffic i was able to drive in being one of the few people that would be driving uh it it was just remarkable to see how many people were on the sidewalks walking to the game and not driving Uh, you could drive your car right up to the stadium without any problem at all so it's just a different kind of event and i've forgotten that that aspect of it 
That's that's really cool. That is really cool. Okay, Saints, buddy. <laughs> I'm, okay, let's let's start with the with the blockbuster trade with Philadelphia. I've been reading this morning. There are a hundred different points of view about whether this was good or bad for the Saints. But let's let's get it from you. What's your take on it all? Well, I think it's impossible to say if it's good or bad right now. I mean, we have to wait and see how this thing plays out and, and what picks are used and where and if there's more deals down the line. But I do think it's very intriguing that they made it early on. And I know there's been a lot of people questioning why you would do it now and not do it on draft day. But I think the Saints were probably trying to fire a preemptive strike to get ahead of maybe some other teams that might have had the same idea. Uh, Last year, they got kind of caught at the end of the draft. They really couldn't move. And uh, they were kind of caught holding the bag. They wanted to try. They tried to trade up a number of times into the top 10 or 12 and didn't have the draft capital to do it and were kind of against uh, the eight ball. And this year, I think they said, we don't want to be in that position again. They probably knew the Eagles were in the market for trading those two picks, and they probably wanted to be the ones that did it and not someone else. So I I don't think there's a plan yet. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's like a a reason they did it to get one player or they're going to sit still and get two. I think they wanted the flexibility to have those picks. And then once the draft gets going, they can make moves. Uh, I think that's more likely what's going on here uh, than, say, they're targeting one single player. Well, we talked a little bit about this last week, but not you know all the work they had to do to get in at least in the game around Deshaun Watson, which I've you know repeatedly say I'm glad they didn't get him, but because they had to get they had to do all the maneuvering for salary cap et cetera to get ready for that, it really opened up some ch- some opportunities for them. So the you know a lot of debate about whether they're going to bring a wide receiver in. So as you have said many times, that one of their goals is to try to fix all their current needs through free agency so when they get to the draft they can really be smart about getting the best player available uh you still think that's their strategy well it's always their strategy and the reason is you never know what's going to happen in the draft you really can't rely on i mean there's so many circumstances that are out of their control Uh, for instance say they wanted one of these quarterbacks and that and that was the idea that a lot of people have positioned out there that the saints now we're going to go get a quarterback. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think that is the thing because you don't know when those quarterbacks are going to come off the board. Some teams in the top five might target them and take them, and, and the Saints would not be able to get up that high probably with those two draft picks. So I think this is all about flexibility and having a little bit of the control of the draft. If you want to take two players at those picks, you're going to get two really good players, starting caliber players. But if, say, one of these quarterbacks that you really, really like starts to fall and he gets down to, like, number nine or number eight or number ten, you you have the ability to go up and get them. So I think this gives them, uh, you know, some flexibility in what happens on draft day. They didn't have that at all last year. And really, I think it, it, it was still in their mind when they made this trade. So you know they've still been making some moves to fortify the defense. Um, it's clear that they're really trying to fill holes and do whatever. But when you look at the draft class as it relates to wide receiver, um, there's a good chance the Saints are going to end up with a really good receiver, isn't there? Well, yeah. If they choose to go in that direction, uh, I think I think if they stay and don't trade up, 
uh, for a quarterback, I think they'll take a receiver with one of those two picks. I'd be surprised. There's a bunch of good ones on the board. I think, I think the last time I looked, Ricky, there was four receivers ranked in the top 20 overall prospects. So you'd think one of them would be available with one of those two picks. And so I think there's there's probably a thought process of uh, usually guys like Jeff Ireland, that you know, who's the head of, of college scouting, they have grades, you know, for every tier of draft prospect. And often each draft, they don't have 32 players that are graded as first round talents. Usually you have between like 16, 17 and about 25, somewhere in there. So this draft could be one where Jeff Ireland's board has 20 clearly graded first round players. And that's now they've got two picks in those top 20. So it doesn't matter how it sorts out, they're gonna be happy with getting two players in that top 20. That could be what the thought process was here. And then it, then after those 20 players, the, the grade drops off to another lower graded player that you would probably be getting the same player at number 22 or number 23 as you would at number 40. That happens a lot. And and so that, that could be the thought process here. And hey, let's let, we know we need a, a left tackle. We know we need a receiver. Let's secure that and go ahead and make this trade because we, we know we got two picks in the top 20. Well, if you think about it, I mean, and you know the history on this really well, but it is very unusual, very unusual for the Saints, and if you go back in history, to have two picks in the first round. I mean, this is a real opportunity to build something significant. If they, if, you know, they may do some trading up, as you pointed out, but it's not something that happens every year, or even you know, it's 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 a rare event, isn't it? Yeah, I think I tweeted about it the other day. I think it's happened seven times in the history of the of the Saints. So that's a long history with only seven times this has happened. And we still don't know that that's going to happen because they could always trade up with the two picks and use that draft collateral to get one really high pick. And that could be the option. I mean, they did that, if you remember, and it didn't work out well. It was when Jim Haslett was a the coach. They had two, I think, picks in the top 12, and they used two of them to trade up and get Jonathan Sullivan, the defensive tackle from Georgia, and he was a bust. He was one of the biggest busts in Saints history. So sometimes, you know, having the two picks, you got to use them wisely. The, the time I think most recently when they had it was 2017, and they got Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek late in the first round, and both those guys ended up being pro bowlers, so it worked out well there. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Well, we had uh, when we come back after break, we'll talk about the visit from Tyrone Matthew uh, from New Orleans. Uh, based on what he's saying, you know, he's certainly you know putting his best foot forward. But it doesn't look like the Saints will get him. But it'd be interested to hear Jeff's point of view about that. They continue to fill these gaps. They they're really focused on safety. They've done some other stuff on defensive line. We'll come back and sort of break all that down after the break with Jeff Duncan. See after, see after this moment. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. Always love visiting with him. And I told you, I told Kyle the other day, Jeff, and he said the same thing back to me after you got off last Friday. I said, you know, I feel like, you know, I've always been a Saints fan, but I feel like I'm a better Saints fan now because of the conversations that we're having. And he felt the same way that we feel like we have a better understanding of what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes. And it's fun to know that you actually, what happens in the offseason, People go off and do other things, and they don't pay close enough attention. And so when the season starts to come around and you get to training camp, then they haven't learned all these players. But we're we're learning all those players now. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be so much fun going into the NFL draft, knowing a little bit more about the strategy that's being deployed. So thank you so much for joining us every week. So, you know, Ricky, that, yeah. that, it helps to have a, uh, an organization that has had the stability that the Saints have. I do think that's helped in a lot of ways because we're dealing with the same officials all the time. Mickey Loomis, you know, he he's here so long he establishes a track record and a pattern of behavior along with Jeff Ireland. And, of course, Sean was here for so long, the offensive staff. You get to know them and you get to know you spend a lot of time with those officials and it helps you understand the thought process. Whereas if you're in an organization that's changing coaches every two or three years, you got different philosophies and different mindsets. And we've been fortunate here, I think, to have the same group for a long time. So it's much easier to get a better understanding, more, more in-depth understanding. Yeah, it's a, it's fun. It's fun to see that in the you know that you feel that continuity even this even in this season with a new head coach, you don't get the impression and people are writing about this actually and you know this, you don't get the impression that they have any notion that this is rebuilding anything. This is a continuation. They're just they may tweak and move some things around. Dennis is going to bring his personality to it, but they think they can win and they're ju- they're making moves just like they would they would have made when Sean Payton was here, you feel that continuity, don't you? Yeah, well, I think that's a good point. And it makes sense to me because this roster is pretty mature. When you look at it, I mean, there's a lot of veteran players that are key players on this team from Cam Jordan to Demario Davis to Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchuk. I mean, they're all guys that have been with the program for multiple years. So it makes sense to try and win now and go all in. I think that trade had a lot to do with that mindset. Uh, as opposed to rebuilding long-term and trying to, like, uh, build through the draft. I think the Saints feel like, hey, we can win now. We just got to fill a couple of key needs in this team, and let's let's ensure that we have a chance to do that. So what you're seeing, they're continuing to bring players in. You can you can detail like what, what some of the most recent moves uh, that have been made, but it's going to create it's going to create a little bit of competition during during training camp. It'll be an interesting training camp for that reason, won't it? Yeah. Well, look, right now they're all out at the Metairie training facility. The the off season strength and conditioning program began this week. They have a new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, director of sports science. His name's Matt Ray. He came from the University of Alabama. They got him away from Nick Saban. was a big addition. And some of the players we talked with today actually talked about some of the new programs and the new some of the new techniques and tactics that they're implementing out there. It's much more advanced, much more kind of state-of-the-art uh, philosophies. And I think the thought process is maybe it'll prevent injuries on the front end by doing it this way. So I think that's an interesting storyline this offseason and then you know you mentioned uh during the break tyran matthew coming in that's gotten all the headlines right the uh, new orleanian 
uh, LSU star. But I really think this was uh, a lot to do about nothing. I'm not saying they won't sign Tyran Matthew, but it felt to me like a publicity stunt, <laughs> if that made any sense. The fact is, he was already in town. He came out and visited. I don't know if they even talked contract terms. Everything I've heard, he's asking for a very high number, and that was before the Saints even came in for the visit. It just seemed like something that sometimes these things happen, Ricky, where the front office has a good relationship with the agent of that player, and they're helping him out. They get publicity out of it. It lets you know that another team's interested in him. And it's kind of one of these unwritten things that people don't uh, know about that, hey, we'll help you out with your guy. Don't forget about down the road. Scratch our back down the road. That's what this felt like. It could eventually lead to something. But the fact that they didn't talk contract terms and the way it was couched publicly was just a get-to-know-each-other session. Well, I'm not sure how much they need to get to know each other. Uh, you know, Tyran Matthew lives here uh, in the offseason. Uh, so to me, that that felt the fact that he left there without a contract told me a lot. Well, he said, I don't think the Saints need me. And the other thing he said is that all I'm focused on now is uh, the security of my family. So that's that's the same thing as saying I'm too expensive for the Saints and right. I really want a lot of money. <laughs> and, and look, they'd already signed Marcus May, you know, away from the Jets. They brought in uh, Sorensen from the the um, Kansas City Chiefs. They They've signed safeties. Uh, you know, they brought P.J. Williams back. Uh, they have C.D. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who can also play safety. That's really not a high priority for this team right now. Now, if his market comes down, and I think it will the further we get along in this offseason, maybe it becomes uh, a, a fit. But I don't think at this point that's what Tyran Matthews is looking for, and I certainly don't think the Saints are in the market to spend a lot of money at the safety position. Have you spent any time, and we have any sort of uh, uh, objective analysis on how does he stack up with the players that we already have on the team? Would he would he be raising the bar that much more to put yourself in a, ca- a salary cap situation by getting them? I, I think the best way to compare Tyron Matthew would be somebody very recent that is in the fresh in the mind of Saints fans, Malcolm Jenkins. I think he would be a little bit more of a dynamic playmaker than Malcolm Jenkins, but he also would make a few more mistakes than Malcolm Jenkins made. But a very similar style of player, in other words, you know, he's not going to come in and dominate every game. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins wasn't dominating, but he's a good, solid player and a veteran guy that knows a lot about NFL offenses. Uh, But uh, at this stage of his career, there's a reason he's moved on a few times. I mean, teams don't see him as an elite player at this stage of his career. So we've uh, we made a few more moves. We made a move at defensive line. Uh, we got we're gonna have a hell of a defensive line, aren't we? Yeah, the, the, they believe in that stacking depth there, and, and clearly that's a top priority. I mean, they are extremely deep. They may have the deepest offensive uh, defensive line in the league. I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it. There's a lot of good players there, and that's always been a priority for the Saints. I don't think they're done either. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they added a defensive tackle in this upcoming draft get a young player at that position. But that's clearly the strength of this team right now. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, we haven't talked about Alvin Kamara in a while. You mentioned him a few minutes ago. He's really important. He's probably going to miss some games this year, isn't he? Yeah, I don't see how he won't, uh, considering uh, you know the severity of that offseason incident. There's really been no progress on that from a legal standpoint. Uh, that thing could drag on for a while. 
but I know the Saints will go into this draft probably looking to add to that running back room. It wouldn't shock me to see them use one of their mid-round picks on a running back. That position, Ricky, has been really devalued in recent years. You can get a really good running back in the fourth round or the fifth round of the draft, and that's somebody the Saints could plug in there, use him in their system. Uh, if they decide to hang on with Mark Ingram, they would give, give them solid depth at that spot. So I don't think it's as big a, of a loss as people think. They, I mean, Alvin Kamara is a great player, but when you have time to prepare for it, uh, you know, a loss like that, it, it gives you a full offseason to kind of have a, a, a plan in place to replace him if, if it's six, four games, six games, eight games, whatever it's going to be. It seems like, and maybe maybe other teams are dealing with this, and we just, I don't know about it because I'm not paying attention to it, but it seems like every year we go into a year with a key player that we're going to have to do without for several games. Is that unusual, or does that just happen all over the, all over the no, league? It's not unusual at all. I, I tell people all the time, I mean, sometimes I think, you know, one of my biggest jobs at what I do is trying to give perspective, right? Trying to provide the landscape of the NFL and letting people see that this is part of the league. I mean, Sean Payton was great at that. He always talked about this is the way it is. I mean, people would always lament the injuries. And then I would try and point out this is the way it is around the league. Everybody's dealing with it. Now, the Saints last year probably had an extraordinarily high number, but they also the year before had a very low number. So these things kind of even out. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the Saints have kind of avoided some of these off-season suspensions and things like that. There was a period of time where they didn't have any. And I think it's all just kind of uh, catching up with them now, the, the law of probabilities playing out. You know, you and I, okay, you just said it. There's been nothing new as it relates to the legal side of, of the Camara case. But, you know, you've also said, and we all know this, that it was that so out of character for Alvin Kamara. He, he's, he's such a smart guy. He, he doesn't put himself in that kind of a situation. Is there any theory working around that, that he's got the wrong people around him and that he's had to change his, his behavior or what? Any, any buzz about that at all? No, but I can tell you this. I mean, talking to NFL and uh, sorry, Saints officials kind of privately off the record, they're not concerned about it at all of being some kind of disturbing trend or something they need to worry about. They think it was just an isolated, very, uh, you know, uncharacteristic incident. They've talked with Malvin about it, and I think they're ready just to try and put it in the past and move forward. They don't think this is going to be something that is a recurring problem with Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I've enjoyed getting to know him through reading more deeply about him. he's well-read, he's smart, he's very philo philosophical, and it is out of character based on what I know about him, that is for sure. Hey, we're out of time. We'll talk more about the Pelicans next week. Have a great uh, weekend, my friend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you again next week, Ricky. Take care. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.